Fun Ideas Productions presents the Fun Ideas Podcast. We see the syphilitic shrinking obelisk. The white man's wilting dick. Of CD game show trolls. The smiling lie of the televised hive. The witches are watching with their thousand eyes. Witches are watching with their thousand eyes. We smell rotten teeth. Hi, this is Mark Arnold, and welcome to Fun Ideas Podcast number 61. This episode is sponsored by the fine folks at Lee's Comics. Hi, I'm George Takei. You know me as Helmsman Sulu on Star Trek. When I'm not busy going Warp Factor 8, I like to beam down to Lee's Comics in Mountain View and spend a lazy afternoon reading comics classics from Marvel to DC, from Dark Horse to Fantagraphics, and everything in between. So please, spend some time here at Lee's Comics and spend your hard-earned cash. <laughs> The Fun Ideas Podcast is made possible by listeners like you and from Lee's Comics of California, selling you what your mother threw out since 1982, online at leescomics.com. Headquartered, the book on the monkey's solo career is is just about done. My co-author, Michael A. Ventrella, will be attending Beetlefest and selling copies of it and our previous monkey's book there, taking advance orders if necessary. I'm still doing the final edits and image placement for the Total Television Scrapbook. It looks really good, and I will be turning it in soon. I just got the assignment to do an article for Back Issue Magazine on Underdog, and I may have another article for them on Hee-Haw! The Warren Kramer book is due back from the publisher, and I'm still working on my own Light Up Your Life travel agency, and, of course, the Mad Book. This episode features an artist who loves pirates and has done work for Marvel and is a fine art instructor in the San Francisco Bay Area. Here he is, Richard Becker. On the phone today I have Richard Becker, who is an artist and illustrator. How are you today? I'm doing just great. And uh, as I usually do on these podcasts, I usually just start out with, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into being an artist Oh, okay, sure. Um, <clears throat> something I just kind of um, always wanted to do. I always drew pictures as a kid, and uh, fortunately back in high school had a good art teacher, and that's kind of all I ever wanted to do was become a become an artist and seemed to do pretty well at it. So went to college, then uh, majored in art at uh, junior college, then uh, went to art school, and after art school, just started working and uh, been been a supporting artist all my uh, all my life. 
Oh, very good. Um, was there anything that uh, you did to help you break into the field, or you just have the uh, talent that you have? <laughs> oh, boy, it's so difficult. <laughs> um, you know, it's just showing the portfolio around, trying to get jobs, um, start working for a uh, art studio for a while, Baxter Art and Design, um, didn't make a lot of money, but uh, certainly <laughs> learned a lot about the business. Mm -hmm. well, what type of stuff did you do there? Just mm, I was in the front office uh, doing everything from business cards to billboards and signs and any kind of commercial work like that. Because the main business they did was uh, they would paint cars, do uh, yeah. striping. And this was back in the 70s when there were all those vans that had <laughs> you know, Rosetta images on them and that's where they were making all their money and I was kind of the guy doing more of the straight illustration mm -hmm. did, did you do any of the car painting yourself or no? no they showed me some of the techniques and things but uh, no the main the main people there that's kind of what they did oh, okay. they were all good at it and <laughs> yeah, it was real interesting you know you paint on metal and using enamel and airbrush and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Now, did you? Um, what type of uh, training were you getting in school? Because it sounded like you were doing like more graphic arts or, or something for this company. Uh, I majored in illustration, okay. so it was a lot of figurative kind of things. Back in uh, junior college, it was more uh, fine art, shapes, mm -hmm. things like that. Uh, so. Uh, while I did graphic design, it was what I mainly wanted to do was straight illustration, figures and things like that, editorial cartoons and yeah, that sort of thing as opposed to graphics. Mm -hmm. And then you said you you wanted to be an artist from the beginning. Um, uh, what did art school do for you? Just out of curiosity. <laughs> well, it showed me a lot of technique. Uh -huh. um, certainly opened my eyes up to just the whole big world of art and I was always uh, very interested in comics and just found there was just so much more than that out there. Mm -hmm. uh, what type of comics were you reading and who inspired you I guess is also? Oh yeah back then uh, Marvel's Marvel Comics uh, this was during that really great period in the Oh, that would have been the mid to late 60s, Kirby, Ditko, you know, the, those guys. <laughs> and uh, then a little later, there was some great stuff coming out of D.C., like Neil Adams and uh, who else? I'm sure there was a few other guys that I really liked. <laughs> Well, did you? Uh, yeah, I guess you liked uh, some of the classic illustrators that have been around too. You know, prior to comics and things like that. Like, oh uh, yeah, yeah, Howard Pyle. That's one of my all-time heroes. Mm-hmm. Uh, what What is it about Pyle's work that uh, inspires you? Well, besides that, he was just so good. Yeah. Uh, was uh, pirates? Just, yeah. Uh, always attracted to that imagery, and boy, he just did the classic pirates and. Uh, you know they still use him in all the books, and uh, he kind of really set set the look of what we think of pirates. Mm -hmm. So many of the early movies were based on his illustrations. 
I'm just curious about him. Um, you know, it's like since you do like pirates, what what do you know much about him as a person? Why he was uh, he did so many type of pirate paintings and things like that? Well, that's kind of a funny thing. Is <laughs> yeah, he was a Quaker. Oh. This back in the 1880s. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a pretty conservative, quiet guy, and I guess it was just his imagination. He kind of just went counter to all that and what he kind of dreamed about, and that was kind of the wildest thing you could think of at the time would be buccaneers and raiding ships and the Caribbean and <laughs> you know, all that stuff. Now, uh, do you think that, you know, there's like, a lot of pirate lore out there, and I'm sure you studied it and everything like that. That yes, it was kind of semi-fictional to completely fictional compared to what you know happened in reality. Do you think um, Pyle was a contributor to that to make kind of a more fanciful experience for being a pirate than just robbing a ship? <laughs> well, he tried to get it as as accurate as he could, but there just wasn't that much known. So much more has been discovered since his time, mm-hmm. um, and they're always finding new stuff. They're up earth, or they're it's almost said up earthing, but they're <laughs> finding old wrecked ships and just finding more and more stuff out about what really happened with them. Uh, and he he was known for his accuracy, particularly of colonial period things, the uh, Revolutionary War, Civil War, stuff like that. But with the pirates, he just kind of was making a lot of that stuff up. Mm-hmm. It was much more what was going on closer to his time. Mm-hmm. And um, so he, we now know that he got uh, quite a few things wrong. <laughs> his but still, they're just so good. Mm-hmm. Now, do you know how he did his paintings? Did he have uh, live models, or did he do what a lot of people have is like the proverbial morgue either on paper or probably digital images now but I mean back then uh, or did he right. kind yeah, of create him, this stuff yeah with him uh, he would really work his designs out beforehand he was always known for his his terrific designing and he'd work that out on small drawings um, and then probably right at the end he'd get some, get some uh, models together Mm-hmm. Very good. And then um, other people that you're uh, you have inspired you, I, I know, is like uh, you like uh, J.C. Liondecker, who did a lot of Saturday Evening Post covers. He's kind of forgotten nowadays compared to like say Norman Rockwell. But what what attracts you to his artwork? Oh, Liondecker is a great stylist, great designist. Uh, he was yeah. He was a terrific Liondecker. I managed to see uh, quite a few of his original paintings. They're just terrific. Um, yeah. Well, I don't know much more to say about that. Um, they're big oil paintings. Uh, if you're not, if people aren't familiar with his his work, you should look him up. He kind of developed a, a certain look and style. He was really popular. He was like a rock star at his time. Mm-hmm. I don't, ideas, I, forgot I don't know much about him beyond Saturday Evening Post. What other did he do? Other covers and other paintings, or just any standard illustration for books or anything? Oh, his he did he did books and magazine work. Most of it was was magazine covers. He was so popular. He got to do all the holidays. He was the guy who kind of originated the uh, New Year's baby, right? And uh, what else did he do? Um, 
the Arrow Collar Man. That was a big commercial uh, uh, client he had. Uh, that was a line of shirt, dress shirts for men, and he had this model uh, that was really handsome and just got to be a big, a real big deal. Magazines were such a big thing mm-hmm. back in the twenties, thirties. Then, then another artist that you write about in your own bio is MC Wythe. Oh and, yeah, yeah. And that was so, so what was what's your inspiration from him? What, what do you like about him? Oh, he was one of the strongest, and if you could put, break it down to being manly painters, <laughs> his, his stuff is so strong, and it was life changing. I when I was in high school, uh, I wanted to do realistic art, and uh, one of my teachers, and they were all doing more abstract things they said you know there's a show you ought to go see it's uh, Andrew Wyeth which is his son mm-hmm. and he was one of the few living realist artists you could go see a show of at the time it may seem kind of odd but museums would not show most living realists that was considered old fashioned it was all uh, abstract type of art at the time <laughs> so this would have been the late 60s and uh, went up to see the uh, the Andrew Wyeth show, and it was it was good. He's a terrific artist, uh, but a bit bleak. These New England scenes. <laughs> but in one room, they had some of his father's paintings, and there are just these big, beautiful, full color oil paintings of King Arthur and Robin Hood and <laughs> pirates. And my eyes just popped out, and my changed my life. I just said, "That's that's what I need to do," and um, <laughs> been pursuing that sort of classical style of painting my whole life. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, of, of these ones that we talked about, or anybody else you want to bring up, oh, what what is the key that kind of attracts you to their type of artwork? Mm, uh, is there consistency through all these people? <laughs> yeah, there's uh, just great craftsmanship. Um, it was a lot of it had to do with the uh, the times uh, the. The Impressionists had been a big influence on a lot of American artists, and there was this kind of bold, strong colors, uh, while still striving for a certain degree of realism, uh, that still attracts me. Some of my favorite landscape artists are uh, American, and particularly Californian Impressionists. Is there anybody currently that you appreciate that's either famous or not famous it doesn't really matter I mean that you really respect in the same way oh I don't tend to follow a lot of contemporary artists so. okay that's fine um I mean like if you went to a, just a general museum even if it had modern art or uh older uh art Victorian art or anything like that whatever um what what type of thing would attract you? Would it have to be like a, like a, a humans in some sort of action pose or something like that? Is that really what? Oh, you... no, not necessarily. <laughs> uh, I, I do go to museums a lot, um, and my tastes are pretty varied. With that, I certainly can appreciate a lot of contemporary artists. And uh, while I'm not a big abstract guy, I, I certainly can appreciate what some of those guys are doing uh, like Mark Rothko um, even some of the better uh, Jackson Pollock's I'm not a big Pollock fan but he did some pretty good paintings uh, (laughs) when he was sober (laughs) 
<laughs> How about Keen? No, just kidding. <laughs> oh, you know, I've seen the, uh, that movie about him. Uh, yes, actually, that was a pretty good movie, Big Eyes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, uh, I went back and started looking at some of them, and they look a lot better than they did back back in those days. <laughs> Well, it's kind of funny, you know, it's kind of interesting how sometimes things that can be considered hack work, even, you know, I mentioned Norman Rockwell, you know, there is a, there is a certain charm to his type of style, even if it seems very, almost, for lack of a better word, traced, you know, in the way he does it, but... Um, oh, yeah, I, I like Rockwell, I, I think he was terrific, uh, uh, certainly being recognized now uh, as probably one of the artists of the century yeah but it seemed like when he was still living even uh, most people kind of poo-pooed him as like uh, just <laughs> oh, sure yes uh, yeah they did and um, uh, you you mentioned you like uh, or it says in your bio that you liked uh, Edwardian illustrators Did are there any other illustrators that uh, we haven't talked about that uh Kind of uh, uh, yeah, the Edwardians. Uh, there was uh, a lot of children's illustrators uh, mm-hmm. that just did some beautiful work, like uh, Arthur Rackham and uh, Keith Robertson. Of, uh, what, did, what did they do? I'm not completely familiar with their work. So oh, uh, Rackham in particular, uh, he was a major influence on Walt Disney. He was painting at the uh, 1880s through the probably early teens uh, and he did all the classic children's books Alice, he did the better version of Alice in Wonderland uh, just about everything you can imagine he even did Wagner's Ring Cycle and uh, very influential on lots of people um, I'll have to look so, him up <laughs> yeah because I'm only you know you mentioned Alice in Wonderland I'm only familiar with uh I never know how to pronounce it. Uh, Tenniel, is that how it is, or Tenniel? Right. right. Yeah, you look at the, the Rackham version, and it's um, well, I prefer it. Now, was his first, or was it? Uh... No, he was the second one to do it. Oh, okay, okay. I didn't know if you know he might have been the original artist, and then they replaced him somewhere along the line, which sometimes yeah. happens in situations like that. Yeah, it was the other way around that. Uh, there was the original version, and then they hired the most popular guy to do another version. And um, yeah, you, you look at his, and it's just, it's just terrific. And a lot of the images people are familiar with; they just may not uh, know his name. Mm-hmm. Are there any other uh, like children's books illustrators or anything else that uh, you just admire their work? Oh, just there's so many. Um, yeah, it's hard to come up with just a couple of names <laughs> here and there. It's just there's been so many wonderful artists, and yeah, that's kind of my world. What is your opinion of like uh, the artwork, like in the Wizard of Oz books and things like that, or the Winnie oh. the Pooh books or things like that? <laughs> oh yeah, they're great. It's not my particular favorite style. Right. Um, I recently had a job where they wanted one of the images to be in that uh, the Pooh style that was I think it's Ernest Shepherd is his name Shepherd. Yeah. yeah Shepherd and uh, delightful stuff um, but a little minimalistic or <laughs> simple than I 
normally like, but uh, beautiful. It's just beautiful stuff. And then The uh, Wizard of Oz, really good stuff. But then, again, not my particular favorite style, but that doesn't mean I don't like it, appreciate it, or anything. In fact, there was another illustration of that same job where they wanted, um, what was it, Scarecrow? It had to do with legal stuff, and a lot of the images had to do with... Um, describing this stuff with fantasy s scenes and one was the the monkeys tearing apart the uh, straw man scares the scarecrow oh okay yeah <laughs> scarecrow the, the flying monkeys and things like that yeah because yeah, it was all about straw men setting up an argument with straw men which oh god yeah <laughs> that was kind of the the concept right now uh you were also in um uh, <laughs> a teacher, I guess, is the best word to say. Um, yeah, so, yeah. so w when you teach art, uh, what what do you usually, you know, like give us a, a ten minute lesson or so, a five minute lesson of, you know, what would you typically teach if somebody took one of your classes? Yeah, two of the main things I try to get across, and this is a fairly typical, there's many ways of drawing and painting and teaching and learning how to do this, right. but one of the most popular is using basic shapes, which are circles and boxes and uh, triangles, cylinders, and then seeing how the third dimension uh, applies to them through light and shadow. And it's kind of those are kind of the main concepts I try to get across because they are fairly easy concepts for people to grasp. And then with practice, you can make things look uh, extremely realistic. Mm -hmm. Now, now, do you, when you teach people, uh, is there a lot of training with just objects, or do you try to uh, use those objects to actually create the human form right away? Oh no, that's just the starting place. It's getting the concept. Uh huh learning how to see as an artist, how to superimpose these basic shapes on top of more complex forms like people, uh, landscapes, bowls of fruit, you know, just anything. And then using the idea of how light and shadow is one of the main ways we uh, can tell the third dimension. Mm -hmm. And it's not difficult to learn how to do this, and uh, not to say that it's easy, but it's not that hard, and with a, the average person with a little bit of practice can get these concepts and uh, learn to draw or paint uh, much better than they ever dreamed. Do you believe that there are people that just cannot draw, or is that uh, a fallacy? <laughs> yeah, through my... I've been teaching for about 30... <laughs> 38 years now mm -hmm. and occasionally I get somebody who cannot get this they can't see this mm. version of three dimensions and turning into two dimensions but that's pretty rare most people can get it but there are some people that just can't see it mm. that's interesting but it, it's pretty small percentage I might have uh, through all these years and hundreds if not thousands of people I've taught it might be just uh, a handful of people that just can't quite see it. Yeah, because you know, I, I you've seen me draw. I, I draw like cartoony type stuff compared <laughs> to you, but uh, you know, it's like I always have the feeling that most people could draw if they wanted to, and and usually people who say I can't draw, and I go, well, can you write numbers and letters and uh, do basic shapes? Yeah, 
then you can draw. <laughs> That's how I feel about it. And then, you know, I don't mean like doing uh, big pirate scenes like you do, but, you know, it's like, you know, you, you could draw basic figures, not just stick figures if you had that ability, but that's what yeah, I found out. <laughs> it's a learned thing. Uh, an analogy I use a lot is when I was a kid, I had to take piano lessons. Mm -hmm. And I learned to play piano kind of, but I didn't really want to do it. I ha I w was forced to take the, the lessons. Yeah. So you know, I kind of learned how to do it, but I didn't really need to to learn. It was somewhat forced on me. So I didn't practice much. So I didn't get very good, and I quit as soon as I I could. Yeah. But I really wanted to draw, and it was just a matter of yeah. Most people can learn how to draw or paint much better than they ever imagined they could if they want to and are willing to work at it mm -hmm. it's just like music or sports with most things you could learn to be pretty competent if you're willing to do the work and practice right yeah i think i was the same way as you i mean i did take piano lessons and what i got out of it i didn't like to practice either much i did learn how to play songs and could memorize things and everything but what i got out of it is i learned music theory at which i still maintained to this day and i know how to write music so you know i guess i got something out of it but i'd rather have somebody else perform it <laughs> but yeah it's not everything is for everybody yeah you know? exactly but i guess i'm the same way that an uh, art too i mean i can draw and i can paint and stuff like that but you know when I know, you know, other people, like I've, yourself, I've hired you before, you know, <laughs> can draw or paint better than I feel about myself, I will hire them, you know, <laughs> and uh, use them, you know, it's like, so, you know, my books, I've had like Scott Shaw and Mike Cazella and other people do the covers because, you know, I really admire their work, you know, even though I could draw it myself, I suppose, but, you know. <laughs> Well, right. It's it's a matter of practice. Right. Uh, you know, that's another thing is that uh, people kind of rely on this myth of talent, and while there's there is something to it, it's not a it's not a major factor. That like we we're saying, most people learn how to draw or paint. It's practicing, and when somebody looks at me, uh, my paintings or my drawings, and they go on about all this talent I have, it's almost like a slight. Uh, you know, where I go, well, you know, I had to practice probably every day for the last 30 years to be able to do this. Right. And kind of, it sounded like I, was just, I woke up one morning and could do it. <laughs> I actually saw that on Facebook today. I was, uh, I was looking around and, and somebody was just asking a general question, which got a whole bunch of responses, a lot from professional artists and stuff. Um, uh, is talent innate or does it take hard work and can you be talented with hard work or uh, uh, can you uh, get somewhere if you just have talent and don't do any work you know and all these different questions like that and people had all these different opinions uh, about it I don't know what, what what do you think on that yeah talent will only get you so far I mean how many people you know that were <laughs> so lucky in life they were just born with all these advantages and they just pissed them all away right <laughs> where somebody who started out with some problem and they got past it through lots of hard work and hard work will get you past so much more than just relying on some 
inborn ability that uh, is pretty elusive. Yeah. Well, the, the, the artists that I read, hey, they pretty much said the same thing. It was the people that I didn't know if they were artists or not that were kind of saying differently. So I think it is kind of an artist mentality that, it, you know, yeah, it's a combination of talent and hard work. You know, <laughs> one doesn't yeah. just happen automatically, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, we just don't see the struggle that so many people that sport, well, sports are maybe a little more obvious where you can see professionals practicing all the time, but... You know, with artists, musicians, how many evenings do they sit alone in their room practicing their tuba or, you know, whatever their art form is? Yeah. And mo- nobody ever sees that until they go out and, and perform. Right. And then they go, oh, look at all this talent you have. And yeah. people just, I don't want to believe... They kind of use talent as an excuse not to try. True. And, you know, it's like you go to a rock concert and everybody just assumes, hey, they just came out here and played. But mo- most, more often than not, there's a rehearsal that they're doing, you know, to, you know, fine-tune everything before they actually play live, you know. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So, um... You mentioned earlier, you know, you were inspired by, like, Marvel and DC, and uh, I, I've mentioned this before when I've talked to you before, uh, you got the assignment that one time to do that Marvel book of how to draw Marvel characters, I don't have the name of it off the top of my head, you can correct me, um, uh, how, did, how, did that, how did that assignment come around? Yeah, that was called How to Draw the Marvel Superheroes, um, that was uh, a local company, Klutz Press, uh, managed to get that. Uh, well, they paid a whole lot of money to get the rights to do that. <laughs> they were looking looking around for somebody to write the book, and uh, because I'm a local teacher, and they were a local company, and they hire a lot of local kids as models, they kind of were asking, and some kids says, "Oh, Mr. Becker, he he can show you how to do that." <laughs> so uh, they got hold of me. I went into the office, talked to the present this multi-million dollar company and within a couple of minutes I had him drawing pictures of Spider-Man mm-hmm. and um, got the job um, now, so it was that easy were you drawing those characters at all before that or is it just uh, because you were local uh, it was because I was local that I was I guess the I don't know if it was the first person they called in but uh, <laughs> uh it was because I was local, and yeah. it was easy enough for me to just stop by there. They were just in the next city down from where I live. Right. And um, I not only could tell them how to write the book, but I could draw the pictures. Yeah. And so I got to do the job, and then, uh, what, about ten years later, they had me redo the book. Because uh, a lot of the characters changed costumes. Or oh, okay. I never knew you did friends. that. <laughs> so that worked out really good for me. Hmm. I never knew you re- re- you redid the book. I probably I, I probably have seen the original edition and thought that was all you did. But yeah, um, did this ever lead to any other Marvel work, or was it just a, like a one off thing? Uh, I did. It didn't lead to any more Marvel work, but it did lead to some other. Uh, there was some kind of a pizza job where there was. I think it was in New York where uh, I there was a thing of how to draw some of the characters that they were on pizza lids or something like that and mm. I don't know <laughs> well you mean like the chef with the winking eye that type of that type of drawing or what 
Uh, no, it was pretty much just like with the book. It was just like you would buy the pizza and then on the cardboard lid or the top of the box or something, it was instructions on how to draw Spider-Man. Or... Oh, <laughs> and that wasn't from the book. That was ad- additional work. It was additional. It was through the huh. same company. Uh, somehow, I forget exactly how it all works, so I'm sure it was a licensed thing. Um, right, right. You just get away with you know, using their characters. Uh, but that was, that paid really well and kind of interesting job. Hmm. And, and then I did some more work for that company. Uh, got to do uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle in 3D. And wow. <laughs> and with flat, they were re- into uh, doing a lot of licensed characters. Uh-huh. So I got to do Flash Gordon and Superman and can't think of it all of all of them but there was just a lot of it, real interesting cartoon characters doing science projects what what, what company was that was that still klutz this, or that was somebody else this, yeah this was klutz press oh okay so i didn't know you did all those things for klutz <laughs> yeah i worked on a few things for them uh, really nice company uh, they have since been bought out by yeah. in new york and aren't around here anymore right right yeah I mean, I think the original book they had, and I'm sure you didn't have anything to do with it, but you're familiar with it, is Juggling for the Complete Klutz, where it had right, three, right. Uh, like, rubber balls or three uh, cushioned balls or something like that, if I remember correctly, packaged with the book. Yeah. Right. That's what started the company. They did that in the garage, and that just made them into a multi-million dollar company, and yeah, very <laughs> people. Now, th- those Marvel books, I think I've asked you before, those those are long out of print, right? And yeah, so uh, when uh, Disney bought Marvel, they had to renegotiate the contract, and uh, they just didn't go for it. So, yes, the books are now out of print. Yeah, so probably no likelihood anytime soon for them to be reissued or anything, right? To Not your to my knowledge. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Um, are there any other high-profile uh, projects that you've worked on that I may not be aware of? Oh yeah, Pirates of the Caribbean. That was. Oh, that's right. You did do so. Tell us a little bit about that. What you you know you did for them? Yeah, because I was doing pirates, uh, and at the time there just wasn't a lot of people doing anything with pirates. Uh, they had bought one of the books. I did the cover, or I guess it was the back cover for, and uh, they used that image. Um, for developing the costumes hmm. and uh, when I found out about that I contacted them and I said you know you evidently like my work uh, is there anything else I can do for the company and so when they uh, did the DVD they uh, hired me to so um, it was a couple of it wasn't Disney it was a Sony or a subdivision of Sony who did the DVD so hmm. To all these kind of connections, that I got to work on the Blu-ray version, and they used 30, 32 images hmm. in that. And there was a whole other pro- bunch of projects I was supposedly up for developing some boxes for the toys, and there was a portfolio. But with so many of these things, just never happened. Hmm. Now, the the stuff that did get done, which movie was that for? I mean, uh, was it just overall for the Pirates series, or was there one no. specific movie that you were attached to? The good one, the first one. Oh, okay, the good one. Because yep. <laughs> I think that isn't their 
five or six of them now or something like that. You know, it's like yeah. yeah. But that was another real interesting thing. Was I, I did go down to Disney and talk to them down there while I was going through some of these projects and just seeing what Hollywood's all about, and it's it's pretty unusual. <laughs> Did you ever try out to like do anything for those movies, like uh, costume design or set design or anything like that, or is it just? I was up for it, but the way it works is um, there's with the first movie, it was a smaller budget film, and so there was more smaller people working on it. And then once it became a hit, ah, okay, uh, then the big money people came into it, and it's just all this, well. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> Real eye opener how all this supposedly works. Yeah, that's unfortunate. And of course, Disney is like big behemoth company now, not just a mom and pop shop like it used to be. So, <laughs> yeah. And but through that, I did get to work on um, some other DVDs. Uh, probably one I'm most pleased with working on was uh, Princess Bride mm-hmm. when they did the twenty five twenty fifth. Year re uh, re uh, not remake but issue reissue of the uh, movie. Mm-hmm. I got to work on that and did a number of pictures and the special features. I just love that film. It was were there p- a, pictures a, like in a booklet or are they on the documentary or where were they used? Yeah, they're on the documentary. Oh, okay, they, they've got all these special features and they had uh, just a lot of extras. Because um, if you already own the movie, why do you want to rebuy it? Well, right. You have extras. So there was, hmm, I forget if they were games or there was just a bunch of other extras that they wanted pirate images for. And um, they've got to work on that. Uh, got one picture on uh, Beowulf. That was... <laughs> was that the the CGI movie that was out a few years ago? Let's see. This... Well, was it the CGI one? It was the one with Angelina Jolie. Um, oh, jeez. I don't remember. So I, I think it was a live action. Oh, okay. Uh, I guess there was a few Beowulf films. Yeah. But, uh, what a, a painting of a Viking ship I did is on that one. Um, oh, and then I got to work on uh, some TV shows. That was interesting. In Search of History. Mm. And uh, what was that called? Sea Tales. Mm-hmm. Again, it was a lot of it had to do with the pirates and sea adventures and stuff. And my paint tips. And what was that for? The History Channel or some other? Uh, it was a couple of them were for the History Channel, and there was another one that was something like that, but it was a different show. Um, I, I just forget the name of it. <laughs> but one was about a steamship that was the worst. Uh, water disaster until the Titanic it was during the Civil War or it blew up and, and there was another one about the uh, battleship the Potemkin mm. that was the Russian rebel, the first referen- Russian Revolution mm-hmm. uh, so I got to do a bunch of Russian revolutionaries in that one <laughs> so yeah there's been some interesting jobs mm-hmm do you do you ever do like anything like storyboarding or anything else for these movies or like I said costume design or set design or anything like that? Uh, no, my uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean they did use my illustrations for the costume designs. 
That's which cool. is kind of funny because I, I had this old bathrobe that I just kind of put some <laughs> stuff on and stuck up the model, and then I fixed it up in the illustration, and that's one of the things I used in creating some of the costumes. <laughs> so, uh, well, I guess I had some influence on it. <laughs> and you've done a number of pirate comic books over the years. Are you still working on those? Uh, no, I okay. uh, did... Uh, it was eight issues of Bloodthirsty Pirate Tales, and then I turned it into a magazine, figuring that would be a better sale, and it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Well, magazines all over are having a tough time of it, so I wouldn't feel too bad about it. But <laughs> And uh, what other projects are you kind of currently wor- working on, then? I've been working for a company called Golden... Golden Frog Press, and they do uh, kind of, it's sort of like underground comics from the 60s, like Zap Comics, hmm. which I always loved when I was a kid. Um, so I've been working for them doing kind of cannabis-oriented cartoons. Oh, I remember. Yeah, you gave me one of those that you, <laughs> a few years back. <laughs> that was pretty funny stuff. Uh, yeah. Do you write the material or do you just draw it? I do some of the writing, but Mainly, I just do the pictures. There's a couple of characters. Weed Wolf is one I write, and <laughs> occasionally, and I do get to have some input on the stories, but generally, um, I don't write them. Hmm. And um, you know, when you're not uh, teaching, uh, what do you do in your leisure time? Is it just all painting and artwork, or do you have any other hobbies or interests that you do? Yeah, if I have a hobby, it's um, exercising. Oh, that's cool. I kind of am a, always been a gym rat, and <laughs> yeah, so. Well, I always thought you've you've <laughs> been in incredible shape over these years. I was like, wow, you know, I'm always kind of frumpy and dumpy, but, <laughs> but yeah, that's one of the side effects of going to the gym all the time. Is it keeps you in shape? Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. What else can I talk about here? Um, are there any other uh, artists that you care about, or any other movies, or anything like that? Like, I assume because you like pirates, you like all the pirate things, like the Errol Flynn movies and things like that. Do you go out and try to get everything that you can, or is it just selective stuff? Oh, yeah. I used to just go out and get anything I could until there was the big glut of pirate crap in, uh, <laughs> you know, like a, a couple of years after Pirates of the Caribbean, the first movie came out, then this got to be this incredible flood of pirate stuff, and at first it was kind of neat, and then after a while it just was a lot of shoddy right. stuff that over oversaturated the market, and then pirates became passe because of that... Uh, <laughs> I was pretty heavily into the um, the pirate fairs. Mm-hmm. That was a lot of fun. Uh, they're kind of like the Renaissance Fair, only it's mm. a lot better because it's pirates. <laughs> and uh, those were a whole lot of fun. Got to meet uh, people from uh, the movies, and a lot of uh, a lot of it is making costumes and weapons and stuff. And uh, that stuff was <laughs> a lot of drinking rum. Uh, <laughs> Those were great. Uh, not 
so many of them now, but there sure used to be a whole bunch of them for a long time, and I was a minor celebrity at hmm. these things. Where were they? Because, I mean, I, I grew up in the General Bay Area where you were, but uh, uh, were um, those in the that? here they have over in Vallejo. Okay. Still, I think that's still going on, but um, they would be in parks, uh, generally in Southern California. A really good one was in Ojai, which is down near uh, Ven, uh, Ventura. Okay. It's just inland a bit, right. and that was so much fun. I used to do that every year, and yeah. Okay, so they're more in Southern California. Okay, because I was saying, I, I probably would have gone to them. I mean, I'm not as fascinated with pirates as you might be, but I do enjoy that genre to a certain extent so was, uh, when, once you said that I go I don't remember that around but I did go to my share of renaissance fairs so you know I, I get that type of culture yeah, like that everybody dressed up and uh, doing a, uh, a lot of really bad Robert Newton imitations <laughs> so uh, you said you're like a minor celebrity is it just because of your artwork or uh, other things or oh because of working on Pirates of the Caribbean and as I did to the pirate books and that kind of stuff I was sometimes a featured uh, uh, character at some of these things and Mm. sometimes I give talks and Mm -hmm. you know they're always looking for somebody they can advertise as being a some kind of a celebrity or something of course (laughs) um is there any aspirations that you're kind of looking forward to doing in the future, or are you pretty much content with what how how life's working for you, or what would you what would you like to do at this point? Mm, I, I tend to paint a lot of landscapes now, doing more fine art. Uh, I'm at that where a lot of my contemporaries are retiring. I'm certainly not going to retire, but. Um, yeah. <laughs> Life has slowed down a bit. I don't need to scramble for jobs as much, and so I tend to just do a little more painting for myself. Mm-hmm. Do you do any sort of art shows or anything like that? Yeah, yeah, I do some of those, and I should be doing more. <laughs> Business end is just never what I've been that strong at. That's always the case, you know. Either, you know, it's, it's like me too. Is like, you know. I, I want to do more things, but you know, I always get stuck on the creative side more than the business side. You know, so hey. Right, but you've been incredibly prolific with prolific with your books. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but you know, it's like I always think, oh, I could publicize this more. I could sell more doing this, and you know, I just kind of, right. you know, but hey, <laughs> but. You know how it is, you know. It's like you always have to straddle the line between business and art, you know. You know what you mean, you know. It comes down to, like, want to go out and talk to art directors? Do I want to sit home and paint, you know? It's right. <laughs> and what attracted you to doing more landscape now? Is it just some, just a new challenge, or what, what's going on there? Oh, I've always painted landscapes. Uh, just being outside on a nice day painting pictures of it uh, just a wonderful way to spend some time And oh okay so you actually are like out in the field at different locations uh, painting landscapes it's nothing from memory yeah, when, the, when it's good weather yeah um, yeah of course yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, living in the Bay Area we have so many nice days uh, you're, you get spoiled when you live around here where so many people live in other parts of the country have to brave the elements right 
Yeah, even up here, you know, it's raining right now, and, you know, probably sometime in the next month or two it'll snow at some point, you know. <laughs> but Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, are there any particular types of landscapes that you like to do more than others, or is it just anything that strikes your fancy if you're driving around and say, ooh, this looks good? Hmm, well, one thing I, I also do a lot is seascapes, living next oh, okay. to the coast. Um, that's always a real pleasure painting the waves and waves breaking on the rocks and so I tend to do a lot of that but just a lot of uh, trees, these fall colors are really nice to paint we, uh, we're having now and um, no, not, yeah, just kind of landscapes, I, if anybody looks me up on uh, Facebook they can see some of my paintings mm-hmm and that like kind of leads me to my le- next question is like uh, I assume you do commissions, correct? Uh, yeah, I do. So if somebody was interested in, in a painting from you for whatever type, how would they get in contact with you? Oh, yeah, probably the easiest thing is to go on Facebook and get hold of me through that, or my uh, email is rbecker3000 at yahoo.com. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, that's actually <laughs> preferable having people come to me rather than me go out and try to drum up business. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know you've done some shows in the past. Uh, do you have any shows planned for the next uh, few months or anything at this time? Oh, like comic shows or art shows or anything I'm like that. Going to be at the, tomorrow. I'm going to be at the San Jose Toy Show. Oh, okay. What are the companies I'm working for is going to be there. They want me to be there and sign comics. and Well, so... Is that that it. same comic company that you're doing the uh, weed comics, as it were? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> now, who runs that co- company? Do uh, I... Yeah, a guy named uh, Vince Dugar. He's, oh, okay. uh, he does a lot of the writing and uh, in the business and um, kind of trying to bring back the spirit of the uh, 60s. Right. And uh, so, yeah, we get along really well, and uh, yeah. <laughs> um, any other show? Do they still do the the ape? I know they had it for a while, and then it stopped, and I don't No, I don't think so. Okay. The last two were pretty poorly mm. attended, okay. uh, so I yeah, it was pretty disappointing. It was such a good show. I think such an important thing. The uh, APC Alternative Press Expo. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> and I think that's a real important thing. I I've always really believed in that, uh, particularly uh, younger people wanting to get involved with this and do their own uh, publishing. Uh, so much creativity is out there, and it's so hard to get something in a, a some of the established markets. And then with the distribution, with the comic book uh, distributors, uh, Diamond uh, is not as easy to work with as they used to be. Mm -hmm. Um, That was a great place for uh, people to do their books and sell them, get some recognition, and uh, unfortunately it's just not happening anymore. Right. But do you think it's really that important at this time because so much stuff is online? I mean, uh, right, I mean now you could do your own webcomic or whatever. 
Right, uh, and and that certainly is a, a good alternative. It's just it's not quite the same thing as the printed thing from um, that people can have holding their hand and collect. Mm-hmm. And the comics that you're selling are they through Diamond, or do you have to get them through the mail or uh, yeah, at the shows like you're doing? Yeah, for some reason, just di- maybe because of the cannabis theme, Diamond doesn't want to deal with more it's just uh, the way it works you have to generate a certain uh, number of sales uh, through them before they'll handle with you handle you uh, right with the pre-orders through the stores um, and they keep raising the number um, but yeah. like I said I'm not doing the publishing myself so um, right but yeah, I get it because yeah, that was my difficulty with the fanzine I used to do about Harvey Comics. It got to the point where I just had to stop because you know they kept uh, changing the rules and uh, I wasn't making any any money anymore on it. You know, and also yeah. exactly. inter- internet took over and other things, and so that's why you know you, I got over into the books, which I have gotten a few of those through Diamonds. You know, since. Because it, it only if they're comic book related, so I can't get all my books through them. But you know, uh, right? Books are a better deal all the way around. A bigger ticket price. Yeah. Yeah. And so. and they're not such sticklers about how many you can sell. You know, if they think they can sell it, they'll 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 usually carry it unless it's about a topic that's so obscure that they go, uh, you know. But you know, most of the time, if it's about any sort of comic book, they usually will take it. So. Right. Yeah. yeah. So some things work much better than others. Uh, yeah, back in the old days, there was oh, maybe 10 different distributors. It was more work having to uh, fill all these orders, but there were so many more orders, and you were making more money, and they all wanted you to go with them. And well, mm-hmm. Of course, now I'm starting to reminisce about the good old days. Yes. <laughs> Well, I think about it too, and I go, you know, I used to think that it could come back. Now I'm not so sure. You know, it's like it just seems like that that era is over and done. Unfortunately, you know, it's like. Yeah, I don't see any change myself. Yeah. Um. Well, let's see. What else can we talk about? Uh, <laughs> um. Let's see. Um. So, uh, there's another question I had, and I'm trying to think of what it was. Um, mm, anyway, um, uh, shoot, I'm going to edit this out, so, so it doesn't sound like I'm uh, straining for something. Um, damn, the question just eluded me um i was wondering if you worked in any other mediums besides just painting i mean do you do any just like uh standard uh sketch drawing with charcoal or pencil or anything else or what type of mediums do you like to work with uh yeah i do a dry medium of charcoal and graphite uh and um pen and ink of course mm-hmm. most of the comics are done that way uh, I don't tend to do much gi- digital work, or actually nowadays I don't do any. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm kind of an expert in the traditional media, so I stick with that. Yeah. Uh, most of the painting is uh, watercolor, oils, or acrylic. Okay. And for ink, what, what do you use a pen or a brush or both if you're inking something? 
Uh, I use both. I really like the uh, Japanese pen brush by mm. Pentel. I use use that for a lot of my inking. Mm-hmm. I always um, ask people what they prefer. Like I did an interview with Joe Staten pretty recently, and he's pretty old school. He says he still likes to do with the pen and the brush for Dick Tracy. <laughs> so, you know, and, uh, but other people, they have transferred over to digital. So, you know, I'm always curious what people do in this day and age if they're still, you know, using, uh, you know, the basic uh, Bristol boards or canvases or whatever you use. It's probably an age thing. Probably a lot of us older guys are using the traditional things because that's what we've always used. And mm-hmm. have you done things the other way though? If you is if it's necessary, uh, I used to. Uh, I used to be fairly good at Photoshop. Uh, yeah. okay. I'd scan things in and fix things up, and now I just don't bother. <laughs> Uh, um, and like I said, you know, it's like uh, people uh, can contact you for commissions. Uh, is there anything that you would like to draw for people, or do you pretty much do your own thing? Oh, I've always looked at it at jobs where it's my goal for them is visual problem solving. So people come up with ideas of what they want, and I've got to figure out how it's going to look on a page mm-hmm. so I kind of like that because certainly with my own work I'm making up whatever I want mm-hmm. so particularly with landscapes uh, I find that very satisfying but uh, I think I prefer if people want a picture from me that they would say what they want and be very specific as opposed to just say well whatever you want to do right well, if I remember correctly, and of course we're talking about my ex-girlfriend now, but at the time, you know, you did a, a tooth fairy book for her, you know, and I believe you got some pretty good direction on that. So what type of things did she say that uh, you liked about working on that project? Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Uh, the tooth fairy book was, uh, she was pretty specific on that. Um, but even with that, there's so much input I had on you know, specifically where characters are placed and their size, the relationship of things. Uh, that is, as specific as somebody is, there's still so many choices mm-hmm. that the artist gets to come up with. Uh, I find that very satisfying. Now, I didn't see all the, the steps you did on that book, but uh, uh, did you do a bunch of rough drafts and yeah. things like that, or pretty much final oh, sketches? Yeah always do that where I'll send the client uh, and it's so convenient now with the phone mm-hmm. just taking the pictures of the sketches and sending them that making sure they're happy with the, the layout and a pencil stage then I build it up in values and then mm, sometimes particularly with new people I'll do a color sketch before I do the finish mm-hmm. so there's no surprises but that's a pretty traditional way of working so you're you're open to any, any sort of work like that if you know it comes along. Yeah, I yeah I don't can't really think of anything I wouldn't want to do. <laughs> I wouldn't want to work for the tobacco industry. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think I draw the line there. That's yeah. I think that's an evil evil company mm-hmm. or companies. Right. You know the vaping, cigarettes, all that stuff. Yeah. 
I'll have to agree. I know some people that do uh, imbibe, but, you know, it's like I just don't get it, you know. But anyway. Um, if they uh, want to smoke or not, yeah. but it's the companies who are lying and coming out with these products. You know, the fact they put something in the cigarette paper so they won't go out by themselves. Right. People burn to death just so they can make more money. I just... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's uh, been a pleasure talking to you today. I just wanted to find out a little bit more about your career and everything, and sounds like you're doing a lot of different good projects. Uh, any final words of wisdom? Oh, you know, if anybody really wants to learn how to draw or paint, you can. It's Don't fall into this thing that you got to be born with talent. You know, that what we went over. It's, it's right. a learned thing, just like anything else. So um, hopefully this will inspire some people. All right. And I appreciate you, Richard, being my podcast guest today. And I thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you for listening. And thank you, Richard Becker, for being my special guest. Episode number 62 will be coming soon. If you would like to comment and or be a guest on this podcast, please drop me a line at funideas.mark at gmail.com. Become a patron of Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions. If everyone listening just contributed a dollar a month, that would be a tremendous help in continuing the production of my books and this podcast. Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel. The opening and closing music for the Fun Ideas podcast is provided courtesy of Andrew the Slow Poisoner Goldfarb and is used with permission. This has been the Fun Ideas podcast. This is Mark Arnold speaking. This episode is copyright 2020, Fun Ideas Productions. Thank you and good night. of your loot.